Hey you, welcome to You the Dreamer podcast where we explore the worlds of spirituality and personal development as well as many other topics that ignite us and help us feel encouraged to follow our dreams. I'm Em, a human design and integration coach and a networker. I absolutely adore people and learning about their stories because I know we each have a unique way of looking at the world. Thanks for listening and let's get started. Hello, hello, loves. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. We have Megan Sanby. She's an amazing friend of mine. She is the founder of Release Breathwork and the host of Here to Be podcast. She is here to empower you to stop looking outside of yourself for the answers and let your inner wisdom be your guide. She is such an intelligent and grounding, wise soul and We talk all about connecting into our bodies and somatic healing practices as well as breath work on this episode, and I hope you get some benefit from it. Let's get started. Okay, everybody. So today we have the amazing Megan Sanvi. Megan is a trauma-informed breathwork and somatic practitioner, and she I met you through our friend Miranda obviously um that's how I met Tracy as well and right away it was just you were such a grounding energy and um I also attended Megan and Tracy's retreat in October and so welcome to the podcast thank you for being here Mm, thank you so much for having me Emmy I just I love you and your energy you know that and from the first moment we met Emmy picked me up from the airport and it was like hop in and then we were just fast friends I heard about all things human design and astrology and life and it was just like I was sitting down with somebody I'd known for many many moons so yeah to get to continue a conversation here feels really good thank you I'm so yeah the the first day we met it was like instant friendship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Megan's so gifted and amazing amazing leader of breathwork and somatics and um I guess my first question that I ask on the podcast is what is your dream for the world oh man what a question to start off with I think that is just for, oh man, I think it is, I, when I think about my life and other people's lives and the people that I hold or talk to or just humans in general, I'm like, man, us humans really, they kind of fuck things up for ourselves pretty fast. Like we get in our way so much. And I always question like, where did that come from where we doubted ourselves so much and we, we stopped believing in ourselves and we stopped believing in just the goodness and the love that is just our truth and our space. So I think that's my, my dream for the world is for everybody to find that for themselves and find that within themselves and for themselves and not from something external, not not their worth, their love, their value isn't dictated by something outside of them. It's just bec- 
because they are here. Yeah, that's so true. I think that so many people are always reaching and like grabbing. And I just always have this like visual of like, we're just like latching on to things that are so impermanent and we find our worthiness in things of the world, but really it's this divine love that we all have just from being in existence like here. And so I totally relate to that. And I love that that's a message that you give to your clients and people that work with you. So thank you for spreading that message to the world and through your podcast and Yeah. And I think that comes from the space that that's, that's what I desire and crave Mm -hmm. to have that those are the patterns that I see in myself, right? Like by no means do I say that in a way of everyone should do this because I haven't figured out because I sure as heck don't, but it's a continual progress towards that. Yeah. 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 I don't think there is ever like a, we are already there or -hmm. like we're there. We've like healed we're healed now it's it's just like layer after layer yeah it's just it's a part of us it's not all of us it doesn't have to consume all of us all the time but it's just this continual path that we walk on sometimes fast and sometimes slow and sometimes Mm -hmm. take a break and it's part of the human experience yep so okay today we're going to talk about connecting into the body. And I think you're really a good teacher of this. And obviously that's what Soma means, um, is the body. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So, so in somatics, um, I guess what is sort of what got you into the journey of body connection Mm. and breath work? You know, <laughs> there's there's a there's a big story to that. So the really really condensed version of that, and we can we can dive into different parts as well. But I, for as long as I can remember, I remember the first time that I decided that my body was not a good body was when I was five. I was sitting in kindergarten, and I picked apart a piece of my stomach, and I thought oh, I'd be perfect if this just wasn't here. I was five there's there was there was nothing there was not no reason for that like I don't remember what led up to that it was just there and that was very prominent and so from that point a connection to my body being in my body understanding my body having grace or compassion for my body was a really challenging journey Mm -hmm. and it was easy for me to pick it apart to abuse it to lean into disordered eating patterns and addiction to exercise and just really do anything that I could to get out of this body and to shift and mold it, to manipulate it in a way that it didn't want or need or wasn't healthy or safe for it. And so the beginnings of that really started when I started recovering from disordered eating and started walking that path. And then as I was healthy on all the ways that you should be healthy. I still hadn't had my period for several years, but I was good in recovery. I was eating. I was all the things, right? Like I was checking all the boxes to look like everything was figured out. 
but there was still something that was missing so much from that. And I would see other people and I would, I would watch them and I would notice them. And it really came from a lens of curiosity of like, there's something missing that they have and I don't. And it wasn't a craving or a des- it wasn't a, a coveting of what they had. It was just this genuine curiosity of how did they do that? And when breathwork came into my life and I started playing with breath, it was, it, truthfully, it was a really traumatic experience for me. I had panic attacks when I first started doing breathwork because I went in it with that same energy that I tackled everything. It was a hyper-masculine force. You lay down, you do it as hard, as fast. You don't let your... Your body's starting to tell you it doesn't feel good. Your body's starting to tell you it can't breathe. It's starting to hyperventilate. There's panic present, but it was just barrel through this thing until my body was done and I would have panic attacks. And my mind in that was, well, here's another thing that you can't do. This is another thing that everybody else does that isn't going to fix you looking for this outside thing too. And thankfully there was something in me deep knowing that there was more to explore in that. And so I did continue to go back into breath work and I, I began facilitating breath work and then understanding more of that connection with my body. And it was just step by step starting to honor and notice, um, just giving permission of if that doesn't feel good, what if I didn't do it? Or if that doesn't feel good, I might do that thing but I almost have a different lens of awareness. I can see that I'm doing it. And, and it was a really gradual and sometimes painful process to reestablish trust within myself and to reconnect back in with myself. There's a lot of practices that I have now that are supportive of that, but it definitely has been everything. And I, I think for so long, the, that piece, when I was quote unquote healthy in all the ways the the space that I lived in for so long was a mindset based space. It was this top up space. Like what does the mind need? How can I control that? How can I shift all the negative thoughts? How can I, how can I still be in control of this to control my experience? And so when I started to learn about breath work, when I learned it, started to learn more about somatic practices, which is a bottom up, a body based approach that was the missing key for me. I think mindset work is beautiful and it has its place, but I think that it's the second or third step, starting with the body, finding a safety and established safety. And that is, is the foundation. And from there we get to address the other parts and the other pieces. Right. Yeah. I I think that's so valuable what you have to share about that, because I think in our society, like we start with a mindset and we may never even leave that realm mm-hmm. like on our time in our time here and starting with mindset is where I started um, in my journey and I can relate to your story of being a young girl and um, or a, a little girl and knowing or th- feeling that something was wrong with my body Um, and comparing it to other girls my age and I'm curious where do you think that you picked up that message do you think it was just like a combination of messages from like television and and or do you think it was just like comparison such a good question I thought a lot about this and uh 
I, I oddly enough have an extremely detailed memory of all of these things, but there hasn't really been one thing that stood out where I got that. I think definitely messages from people around me in the era that I grew up in, that was, there was a very certain body type and it was not the body type that I have. That was a deemed an acceptable body type. My mom and I have two very opposite body types. Um, she is, has the tiniest little bird legs around and I do not. And so I even remember really, really young comparing myself to her and she never promoted that. She was always, uh, that, that messaging never came from her. It was just something that I saw of like, this is me and that's her and I'm not that. So the flaw must lie in me. So I think it's definitely a combination of things, but I remember being so, so young and saying like, I can't have dessert. I'm on a diet and all of these things that I just think was a really big part of culture. It wasn't yeah. really a part of my household. I think it was a big part of the culture. Yeah. That's sort of what I felt as well. And so I can totally relate to that. And I think a lot of women can, which I think is what, and men. And I think it's important to speak to that because the more normalized it is, the more we see that, you know, it's not just us. And I also had a very similar experience with breath work. So I think the more that I've tried to learn and understand breath work from a mindset per perspective, um, the more I have connected with people that have had similar experiences in breath work of, I thought this was supposed to heal me and I'm not doing it quote unquote right or the right way. And so I will never heal if breath work isn't working for me. And I'm not having these experiences that other people mm -hmm. are having. I'm not having these medicinal experiences because I know for me, I was very resistant and still sometimes am to breath work, but actually through even doing like dipping my toe in more, I find is very necessary for many people that A, don't know what it is or B, are just maybe had like a panic attack from breath work. Cause I know that it can be re-traumatizing. It can bring up things in the body and bring up physiological um, responses to memories mm -hmm. and, and things like that. Yeah. And I mean, the, the key in turning that around for me was as I was going through facilitation training and I still, I couldn't go back to breath. My body would start to breathe and it would associate that with the way that it felt when it had a panic attack. And so of course my body's going to shut down and not want to experience that. And so as I was in training, the woman at the time, Rachel Maddox, who was leading her trauma-informed space said, well, trauma is anything that happens too much, too fast, too soon, too little, or too long without your consent. And that landed. And then she paused for a moment and she said, so why do you think that breath work wouldn't be the same for you? And my whole, my just brain just <laughs> exploded with this thought of, yeah, why wouldn't I do that? And so she said, well, what if you stopped instead of forcing something when it didn't feel good? What if you did a different breath? What if you slowed down? What if you just laid there? What if you fell asleep? What if you did all these things? And what if you just gave yourself the permission to do that? 
And so that was the, that was the turning point for me. And that's why it is extraordinarily important to me when I share anything that I share, especially when we're talking about body-based approaches, when we're talking about breathwork or other somatic practices, that it does come with a lens of being trauma-informed and trauma-aware. And that word can feel really big or some people can say, well, I don't identify with that. It's just a deeper awareness. It's just a deeper space of being informed to give permissioning, to make sure that the entire experience is consenting, to make sure people know that they are in control, they are in the lead, and that I'm a second cue, that I sit back and I encourage them to honor their body. And that can feel challenging or activating in itself to say, well, honor your body. If you're not in your body, if that's not a safe space, if you've never done that, you don't even know what that looks like, that can feel in itself like a really activating invitation. Mm-hmm. But there is a different way. And you said it so spot on. I mean, it's, I do not believe that in order to heal, we have to re-traumatize ourselves to heal. I think it's a very outdated way of thinking. I think it's an old paradigm that women like you are speaking into, like I'm speaking into, like so many people that I love and adore are speaking into and starting to say, hey, that's not the way that this works. There is a different way. Let's start seeing what some other options would be in that. Yeah, that is so true. Like, I just think that, we, because even two or three years ago, when I started trying breath work, I really didn't like it because everyone guiding me through it was very, um, and it could just be the way I was perceiving it. And probably from that masculine standpoint of like, I have to do it their way instead of being like, I actually don't have to do it their way. I can just have them as a guide and then I can stop and pull back. But you were one of the first people that was truly like, go at your own pace. And I'm just like here holding the space and here as a guide. But a lot of other people I had been facilitated through breathwork with, um, it just felt very like, okay, we're going to do this activation and then this one. And then everyone was having these crazy experiences and it was very, um, like you said, like it can be re-traumatizing. And so when you actually gave me permission to go slower and go at the pace my body needed, it allowed me to feel safer in my body. Like, because I think a lot of people don't operate from their body. They operate from their, their mind. And so being in the body, like you said earlier, is just not always a safe thing for people. Mm-hmm. because the trauma that we experience as, as children often did happen in the body. And so then we chose to leave and go to our minds or, you know, kind of space out. And yeah. so coming back into the body is if done improperly or being forced can be very scary. Well, that's why we titrate. That, you know, that's another big part of the way that I share breath work is that it is titrated for us to think, hey, my body has historically not been a safe space or for an extended period of time or an acute period of time for that matter. Right now, my body is not a safe space. I don't know how to be in my body. I don't know how to not disassociate, how to not lean into 
some of those trauma responses. So why do we think then the solution to that? And this isn't this isn't accusing anyone, right? Like this was a conversation mm-hmm. I had to come to with myself of, so why did I think that the best solution for that was to jump fully in the deep end and just try to blow myself out of the water and fully be in my body? We have to take mm-hmm. little sips. You have to, you said it, you have to reestablish that trust. You have to reestablish that safety of, is it safe for me to be in my body for a second? Great. And then leave. And then there always is an open door. There's always an open invitation to come back. Now, can I be in there for two minutes? Great. Then it's too much. Leave. Always come back if you can. Coming back into center. And some days it might be 40 minutes. And some days the next day it might be two seconds. I don't know. It depends on what's there and what's present for you. But it's the full permissioning of, great, go ahead and leave. There's always an open invitation to come back. Yeah. Yeah, that's... So I I really, really resonated with that as well because of of the permission to leave because I specifically like had those um, instances in plant medicine where I felt re-traumatized due to like, I loved that definition you gave earlier of um, what trauma is and it's being forced into something for too long. And that was my experience was, okay, I want to be done now. And I want to have the permission to leave this experience. And I I wasn't able to. And um, you permissioning people to be able to leave is, I think, a step that a lot of practitioners are um, maybe missing or maybe they do, you know, say that, but their clients um, aren't really getting that message or taking it that way, if that makes sense. I'm not sure. Totally, totally. Right. And I think that also is the responsibility of whoever is holding you in a session. Mm-hmm. Whether that's breath work, whether that's yoga class, whether that's a lifting class, whether that's a plant medicine journey, whether it's therapy, whatever that is, that is a responsibility of a facilitator to not only start to one lead with permission, consent, invitational language, to create a container that I can create a space that hopefully you can feel safe enough to feel supported in at least to land in. And then most importantly, how are we integrating the experience? Because also in my first breathwork experience, I didn't have anyone to help me integrate it. So it was just a spiral of anxiousness and panic after the fact, where if there was somebody there that could have maybe processed or helped me walk through why that happened or what that experience was, I could have understood how to integrate that in a more smoother way. Did my journey happen? Yes. Did it, am I past that now? Yes. Do I believe that there's only one way to receive the same space that I'm at now? Absolutely not. And so I think that one, not only comes from us being aware and starting to understand our sovereignty, but it also is a huge responsibility of whoever you're deciding to hold you and whatever experience it is. And that's not blaming you for picking somebody that wasn't equipped. That's a invitation for anybody who chooses to hold others in session, no matter the type, to really start to examine how are you doing that. I believe that everybody does it to the best of their ability. Nobody is looking to harm you, but it, it can happen. 
And that's not the fault of anybody who's harmed in that, unfortunately. Yeah. Thank you for speaking to that and the integration piece, because I think so often we need space and time, even like with the, even in situations like talk therapy, you still need time to realize, um, or not to realize per se, but to really like allow things to kind of play out. Okay. Now I have this new tool. How am I going to allow it to integrate into my system and allow life to bring me situations where I will then implement it and just have time and not feel rushed into the next thing too. Cause I think the lack of integration that we see in the healing space um, is really just bleeding over from everything else in our society where we're just rushing from thing to thing to thing to like try to fix or heal or reach outwards. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, our desire to have a quick fix, our need to have everything done or or the pressure that society puts on us and we put on ourselves to go hundred miles an hour and accomplish a zillion things a day. And when you boil it all down, not to always make everything about trauma, but that time, that, that, that needing to move so quickly is often a trauma response. So that is just a large collective trauma response that we've all been conditioned into. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you find for most people to come back into the body is um, like slowness and taking more time? Yes. Yes. It is a, it gets to be done at the speed that you need it to be. It gets to be dipping your toe in the water and then coming back. It gets to be leading with the permission of let's try this for a microsecond and then stop it and come back to a space of resource. If you're able to have a space of resource or just maybe even a distraction for a moment and continue to come back in. It's about going at a pace. I won't necessarily say slow. I think that most people crave and need that, but it's about going at a pace that feels nurturing and nourishing to the individual, not to the practitioner or not to our ego, not to our ego mind that says, well, this should be done already. It's just, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like it's not one more thing to like check off our to-do list that day. Yeah. Just another thing to oh, I did breath work today, like check, or I meditated. Um, I used to have like such a rigid morning routine and it was so masculine, but it would like include things like breath work or, um, you know, meditation. But I was so rigid about it that when things would interfere, like different, you know, situations that were emergent into my life where it needed to not be that way. The rigidity would like, I was so dependent on that rigid schedule Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was just coming from the wrong place. I think of just like wanting to check it off and just, okay, I like did what I need to do to like be quote unquote successful and even the healing space. Yeah. I think, I think especially to, 
when we're starting to rewire that or we're starting to question that and invite in other things, the, the really challenging part is, is when we move from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum, we often do have to move from that far end to the other far end. So, I mean, this could be with your body, this could be with your healing, this could be with how you meditate or what your morning routine is or whatever. But oftentimes when it's so rigid, it has to almost go to the other extreme of nothing at all. And then you sit in that until that just doesn't quite feel right. And you start to pendulate a little bit back into what a fluid space towards me. It still might be a little off to one end or the other, but there is a little bit more fluidity and a little bit more pendulation in coming back to something that feels truthful and that feels like you're honoring yourself instead of forcing one or not having any kind of boundary or structure on the other. But I think also a big thing that I want to make sure that people know and understand because I wish that I did too, is it's okay to sit on the other end and be so far from what you were. It's just starting to get curious about when that isn't suiting you anymore, when that isn't honoring you anymore. And then what can you do to take a little bit of a reprieve back into that fluid center space? Mm. Thank you for speaking to that. Yeah. I've actually been going through the opposite um for the last year and a half or so of like I was so rigid and had everything so structured and then the exact thing that you just spoke to happened and I've been sort of pendulating back in the middle like you said and I've learned that that is just a natural part of the process it's every everything is sort of like a pendulum and then we're just trying to find like balance our body I think our mind our hearts are just trying to find what feels good and I like to think about it sort of like the weather like not every single day is going to look the same with the weather and so your morning or your whole routine day to day can be different and it doesn't mean that you're unsuccessful because it's slightly different than the day before the day before or last year's what last year looked like we're cyclical beings Mm -hmm. especially if there's anyone who identifies as female Mm -hmm. in a female body you are a cyclical being so to think that everything is the same from day to day to minute to minute to minute is just not how it exists we are nature we are a part of that evolution and a part of that seasonal shift and change a part of the moon cycle a part of all of that and so being able to, but it was the same way too. When I, before I started breath work, I numbed and stuffed every emotion. I didn't feel anything good, bad, happy, sad, pain, whatever. Like there was just a complete numbing and disassociation from everything. And so when I started breath work, when I started somatic practicing and started understanding my emotions and started feeling thawing enough so I could feel things, I felt everything. And I would be in really spiraling thoughts and sitting in heavy emotions for the longest, longest time. And it was truly, it's been almost a three-year period for me to now start to identify and distinguish between this is a thought that isn't helpful for me. Let's use some of the tools that I have to move away from that thought. But I had to sit in it and feel it to the depths of it to start to know and to be able to discern when I'm bypassing it and when I'm choosing not to feel it and when it just isn't a healthy thought for me to be in or a healthy feeling for me to be in and to shift that. 
but I couldn't do that until I felt the far end of one and the far end of the other. That's been my exact experience as well. So uh, we're so similar, I think, Mm -hmm. in so many ways. But yeah, of sitting, I was listening to a podcaster. um, Well, it was on Glenn Doyle's podcast, but it was, I think, is it Esther Perel? She's a... yeah. Yeah, it was, I don't know if you heard that one, but she's um, actually speaking to a couple from um, Ukraine and they're just talking about like the husband was not really wanting to compliment the wife um, day to day. Like they're, um, he had to stay in Ukraine and she had to leave um, with their child. And so she was wanting like, compliments and like still like those same um affirmations from him like looking for love and he was like well we're in war like why are you asking for that like and really what they found with um Esther was she was saying well it's it appears that you probably don't want to go there with her emotionally because it's too painful um because that brings up the emotions of connection and love. And, and if you are to go into those emotions, there's so much pain there. Mm -hmm. And I just want to speak to that because that's something I've been thinking about for the last day is we numb because we don't want to feel the pain and to be in it and with it. And sometimes that's, those are the things that come up with somatic practices and breath work. And I'm just very passionate about explaining that when we allow ourselves to feel and to really go there, it's never as bad, I think, as our mind thinks it will be. Mm. It's so true. It's so true, right? I have a more challenging time embracing and sitting in and feeling in the lighter emotions than I do in the heavier ones because they both hurt but there is this fear there's this little sliver of fear in the light ones and the the joyous ones and the ones at one end of the spectrum that like when this goes away it hurts like I've had that taken away and it hurts so deeply and so it's like well I'd rather sit in the hurt so deeply and save myself from that loss of what is but that's that's missing part of it that's not that's not being in the full experience yeah yeah because only as I feel as deep as we can feel and experience we get to then feel as much of the good on the other side of it but if we are constantly numbing how do you even have the capacity to realize like what truly feels good if you haven't felt true pain and really been immersed in that emotion? And not to say that we need to suffer like like what you said earlier, like we don't need to constantly be suffering to like heal, like, mm-hmm. but all emotions are there and demand to be felt. Well, and I think that coming back to what you had just shared was it's, is it the actual depths of the, is the, the sensations, the texture, the qualities of those emotions that we don't want to feel, 
that we're afraid of? Or is it the story that we've created in our mind that says this is going to be a thousand times worse than actually feeling it? Mm. Yeah. The buildup to that, the mind, the the ego pull of that is, in my experience, has always been worse than the actual healing, mm-hmm. the heartache, the pain, the loss, the grief, the sadness, the whatever it is. It is. That's a hundred percent. It's the, for me at least. It's the story mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. more painful. Um. Yeah, because. For me, I'm so drawn into my mind and the mind, like what you said earlier, resonated um, of realizing what thoughts aren't helpful. And my mind would like play out those thoughts of like the worst case scenario or like this is what's going to happen. And like this, this feeling is associated with this stream of thoughts and so it was a hundred percent the story in my head that was creating suffering versus mm-hmm. what my body was just like wanting to experience, which was like pain or fear or melancholy or sadness, but it was never as, as bad as what my mind was wanting it or Mm-mm. creating it to be. Mm-mm. Um, I think that also is talking about too, that was the, the realization that I had to around numbing or, or suppressing or stuffing emotions or sensations, thinking that that means that I didn't feel them. Well, truth of the matter is I was feeling them constantly. The heaviness of them kept weighing on me and weighing on me. And they were constantly eating away at my insides every second of every day because they just wanted to be expressed and felt and experienced. And so it's almost as just like, then I think, oh, I can't feel that. When your reality is I've been feeling it since the moment that it began. I've been carrying the heaviness of the weight since it began. So if I lean into that a little bit and allow it to process, not only do I feel it, but I allow it to leave to complete its cycle the memory might not be gone which I still wish that I could erase some of that painful thing it's not about erasing that painful thing it's about can my body begin to regulate in that and remember it can feel it and then it can come back into a space of resource or it can come back into a space of presence or safety and and not let that experience or that emotion or that memory hijack my entire day or week or month or wherever that is putting me at Mm -hmm. exactly I think that's that's so beautifully said and I just wonder sometimes like are the memories even (laughs) as reliable as you know because I I I think that sometimes we even create stories around the memories and some you know our, our our memories aren't as reliable. They're finding as we think they are. And the, they can, they still have validity though, because that was still your experience. So it doesn't even really matter. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's still how you think it happened, but allowing those, those memories and the way that you made your story come up are still valid. And I feel like the capacity to like feel 
into the, like, for me, like when I have those memories, the more they come up, the less scary they are when, mm-hmm. when I allow myself to feel in them, if that makes sense. Totally. Because the body says, I know what to do with this. I know how to handle this. I've been carrying this load forever and ever and ever for a long, long time. So let me complete that. And then we get to move forward to the next space or the next piece. Mm. And I think that also comes with having a grounded safety first. Mm. Like, do you feel safe? Can, do you know what a resource back into self? Can you come back into presence? Can you feel secure in yourself or whoever's holding you in the experience? That's, that's a part of understanding and walking the path. And that's a part, unfortunately, that takes time mm. and it just does. Yeah, that's, thanks for speaking to that as well, because also I think that lots of people put a timeline on their journey or like this person started doing breath work or whatever it is, fill in the blank before me and I should be, you know, like at this stage of my journey and like, or I've been doing this longer than them. And like, why am I not seeing the same results or, or whatever? But A, we never know like what someone else's actual experience is versus like what they portray on social media, which is a whole tangent, but like, we don't actually know their, you know, experience. And then there's also like so many things that like factor into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone's timelines are different. Absolutely. With everything, with your life with your relationships, with your work, with your body, with your healing, with your, oh, you name it, everyone's is. And that it, that's hard. That's an edge for me too. Like truthfully, that, that part is challenging for me and it shows up in many ways, but it is just that reminder of this is mine. Like stay in my lane, stay in my lane and do, do what feels good. Do what honors you. And we'll see how the journey fleshes out as it continues Mm -hmm. what are a few resources um that really helps you like kind Mm. of start yeah I think um breath work in a gentle fashion obviously was I spoke into that it was just starting to first connect with my breath and feeling hey can I can I notice how my breath is coming in and out of my body Um, really simply, sometimes it would be just touching my fingertips together. And can I feel my thumb touch against my ring finger, my pointer finger, my middle finger? Can I feel that sensation? And then it would just be asking a question and seeing if I could be honest, you know, what, what's, where is my mind going? What's drawing up attention in my body or in my thought patterns? Where are there some of these things, um, moving, but moving without, I think movement is wonderful and it has its place in moving our energy, but it was such a toxic space for me that it really was so distorted. So putting on a song for two minutes and just letting my body move in a way that it wants to, even dance felt really uncomfortable for me. People would say like, let's have a dance party. I'm like, I don't want to do that. But could I shake my arms? Could I shake my legs? Could I feel the tightness that was in my shoulders or my hips or my jaw? Um, and just starting to reestablish that. And I think first, and then at the the 
crux of it all too, as I shared before, was just giving myself full permission to be done when it needed to be done. I didn't have to know why I didn't have to explain it or think it or do anything. If it didn't, if it didn't work, could I stop and put that down? And if I, if I didn't feel like my mind was going to let me stop and put that down, could I have that lens of awareness and saying, Hey, here was the point that I kind of wanted to stop. I went through it and that's okay this time, but next time, what if we tried to take a break or what if we tried to take a pause? Thank you for all of that. And where can people like connect with you um, online and yeah, if they want to learn more and or do Insta- work with you? Instagram is definitely the, the hub of most things as I'm sure everybody kind of says that it is. And it's just my, my first and my last name. So it's M E G H A N S A N D B E Megan Sambi. Um, there's a link to my website in there. My website's megansambi.com. So also pretty simple. I have a podcast. It's the here to be podcast. All the again, links the one direct space and Instagram where everything is linked and connected to and come and hang out and feel into that. And I think that if there's anything that we spoke into today, if any, anything that any shared, anything that I shared, anything that made you get curious or listen twice or say like, Ooh, that had an impact on me. And I don't know what that impact was, but I can't really stop thinking about it or it made me feel a certain way there. I think there's something there in there for you. And so just, just start to explore in that and feel into, feel into that for yourself. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all of your insight and yeah. Um, you guys, I'm going to include everything in the show notes as well. So I'll put all of your details in there and hopefully they'll connect with you and listen to your podcast as well. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And mm-hmm. what a what a pleasure to share with your audience and, and to be able mm-hmm. to connect with them. I know whoever hears this is exactly when they need to. I trust in knowing that. So thanks for taking the time for allowing me to share and for just listening to this as you listen to it. Thank you. Okay. I love you so much. Love you. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode with Megan. If you want to get in touch with her, you can go to Instagram and she has a link tree on her Instagram page. So just go to www.instagram.com slash Megan Sandvi. The link is in the show notes and a little bit more about her if you'd like to get in touch with her. I urge you to if you're interested in breath work or coaching and she is so amazing. I'm so thankful for her being on the podcast today and I really hope you got something out of it. Thank you guys for joining me and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.